0: And now, enjoy this free Jzo Modcast show.
1: And welcome, welcome to a brand new episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd. I'm your host, Kevin. And guys, on today's show, we're going to be talking about some uh, some Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons drama going on. And I just wanted to ask the uh, the crew here um, what they think about, uh, you know, screen size. You know, is it is it really a big deal to you, whether you go to the theater or watch it at home? And uh, before and after that, we're going to get into our main topic, which we're going to be talking about animation we're gonna be talking about the legendary artist and filmmaker mr don bluth and by we we have a whole house today i'm so excited to to, to talk to you guys about this so of course joining me today uh christian christian how you doing man i right hand uh, man on this show
2: i am doing good how are you doing kevin
1: doing pretty good man doing great doing fantastic really excited about tonight's show um and of course joining us you know they've been They've been pretty much mainstays on the show. They're regular guests now, and we love them. We 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 love that they're here. Um, so, uh, Nickish and Yam, how are you all doing today?
0: Uh, we're doing great. I don't know, I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think after seeing um, animation masterpiece Puss in Boots, it's, The Last Wish, yeah. I think anybody would be feeling as good as we do right now. Also, That's to awesome. be here today with you guys. No.
1: for sure no i i'm I'm on the same page you are i watched it too earlier today you guys just got out of it not too long ago um we'll talk about that though Uh, nick how are you i'm pretty sure you're on the same page right
3: yeah i'm doing pretty good shopping for some new boots to cosplay my favorite character of all time the puss
0: in boots (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah um i'm gonna be puss in boots and he's gonna be uh kitty Softpaws. yeah probably gonna
3: be my favorite character kitty soft Oz, probably the best (laughs) animated character to exist.
1: She She was, she was great. They were all great. They were all fantastic. (laughs) Um, But um, and also joining us, so he's a returning guest. He joined us once about a month ago, a month and a half ago. He was on our James Cameron episode. We talked a lot about James Cameron. We talked about Avatar before the movie had come out. We we had our predictions and everything. We had talked about it. I think we were pretty spot on with with what we decided you know how the movie was gonna do um greg greg is here once again to grace us with his presence how are you doing today greg
4: yeah i'm not too bad um it's nice to be able to join at the regular time this time so i'm i'm stateside yes Uh, hang out with christian in real life yes i
1: love it and you're down in la of course just hanging out how you liking? How are you enjoying your visit, man? I mean, how's you know, it's the states? I mean, it's it's yeah,
4: it's a little man, rainier man. than it normally is when I visit. A little <laughs> bit of a disappointment, but I yeah. um, was here for a birthday party. We we're playing Street Fighter till two in the morning, and
2: then
4: <laughs> oh man, today oh, everyone's just nice. wrapped up on the sofa watching Rocky Three. So it's it's going pretty. <laughs> good. You cannot
1: complain about that, Rocky 3. I mean, come on. Who's who's gonna say anything about that? Um, so before we jump into today's show, um, just remember to like and subscribe wherever you're watching um or listening. I apologize. It's a video, you know, it's an audio only podcast, so there's no video element to it, but maybe someday there will be. Um make sure to like and share. Um, uh, you know, like, subscribe and share. If you share, just sharing one episode really, really helps us out immensely. Um, get into as many years as we can um yeah so let's let's kind of jump into our first topic so this is a topic that uh Nick actually brought up and, and he wanted to talk about it and and pretty much you know everyone else here you know I, I I'm not a huge dND player um but so many people are and um Greg has a unique perspective on this as well um which we'll talk about you know as soon as we kind of get into the conversation a little bit more on the lawyer aspect of it all um but Nick, can you kind of break down what is happening right now at Wizards of the Coast slash, you know, with D&D, with Dungeons & Dragons?
3: Yeah, so this last week has been really, really crazy for D&D fans and with Wizards of the Coast. But more specifically, the parent company Hasbro kind of uh, has been tapping down on the monetization. Uh, going forward for Dungeons and Dragons into the next edition in the next year. And so this week, uh, a couple of drafts were leaked of what they were calling a revised uh, revised version of their OGL, their open game license, which would essentially see a, tap- uh, a tapping down onto third-party creators, um, which so far have been you know pretty much been able to do their own thing they're able to use the game mechanics of D D, but not the uh the the um, intellectual properties so not right. the original characters or the stories or anything but they're able to use the system to create their own versions of things create art create you know things like the actual play podcasts um, the various comic books tv shows et cetera. and these
1: are like I mean, but these are officially licensed from specific companies right that are using D as like a template for what they're doing correct just using their no territory.
3: no well yes and no i mean okay. there, yes, are, I there are companies that have come out of it like pathfinder um right uh, kobold press um but they're you know Smaller game companies have arisen in the last decade or so. Uh, the, big, the big impact this would have would be on the third-party creators who, you know, you see the Kickstarters of, you see the various art pages. Um, just very small creators that have really benefited d and in getting popular in its fifth edition. It's more popular than it's ever been. It is apparently with uh, Magic the Gathering. Uh, so Wizards of the Coast total is now 20% of Hasbro's revenue yearly. Um, and a lot of it's attributed to these small creators kind of bringing d and into the mainstream, along with things like Stranger Things, Critical Role, right. which is another third party creation, Critical Role, which has been bundled into d in the last year. Um, D&D Beyond is the most popular D&D app. That was also a DD and d third-party creation that was bought by Hasbro last year. Or okay. Two years ago. So basically, they came out with these leaks. Uh, it did not go over well, as you might imagine. Yeah. It no was really for it. You know, there wasn't really... At your best, you were getting, like middle side like people who are like oh well we maybe saw this coming um but nobody was for it it got a big backlash everywhere we're seeing people deleting dnd beyond we're seeing people move away to the other available game systems
1: okay yeah
3: and that's not a it's not a very good thing so officially on friday wizards of the coast released their statement saying you know, we've heard you guys. Uh, we've heard the backlash. Where gonna we're lose gonna money. back, we're gonna backtrack. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna put that back on the table and uh, maybe talk about it later when we can rewrite this thing. <laughs> right, they're gonna be losing money, and it's not a, it's not good to not have that trust that you're already losing from the monetization efforts.
0: Going okay. On. So yeah,
3: it's, because uh,
0: it's they, a pretty- I was like, they were already. It's like they proposed the re- they, they said they were going to revise the OGL because Dungeons and Dragons is quote under monetized and it's well, you know it, it is what it is it's like they say right. they're not making enough they can make more money off of it basically yeah but because uh, uh... of the announcement that we're in the new OGL it says that like oh you can't use this anymore but everything that you've made we can use so everything like D and D, like real, like actual play podcasts, like they can't do it anymore. But anything that they've made from the game now, D and D owns. Even though right, by okay. then it's like if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're making your character. That means any character I've made, they could be like, "Oh, hey, that's mine now," and I'm like, "No, you can't, can't do that." Now they're not gonna take my character, but <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, right.
0: it's like, okay. it's like it gets for me when I think about it, it gets so down to the nitty gritty. It's like, what are what are you going to take? And it's like, what will no longer be that person's, even though at that point it has been, it's from their head, their intellectual property. But um, because of this, now they are actually losing money and over the last week a lot of people were pulling their DD beyond subscriptions and I the cancellation that, yeah. the cancellation site like, crashed because so many people were pulling out of it so it's like you think you're lo- you think you can make more money and now you're losing money
3: yeah and that's yeah. coming before a big hollywood budget production you know too right so it's like they they're on the rise to keep making money but as soon as they lose trust in their audience and their players who spend you know $60 per book with an average of however many books come out um it's just not it's not a good look and their response on Friday also had this really petty um like postscript statement that was like you know like you guys uh let me let me just read a couple sentences
1: yeah, please it's, please it's do. Wild.
3: It. Uh, a couple of last thoughts. First, we won't be able to release the new OGL today because we need to make sure we get it right, but it is coming. Sorry, I gotta rewrite <laughs> okay. this stuff. Uh, second, you're going to hear people say that they won and we lost because making your voices heard forced us to change our plans. Those people will only be half right. They won, and so did we.
1: Right? Okay.
4: It's,
3: it's so... like it's like a villain. Thing. And it just sucks, dude, because D and D was made for this very particular audience, and until very recently, with Hasbro specifically, um, it's been so great just having this open game license and just creating and making it bigger and more um, accessible for audiences. Mm-hmm. And now it's completely in the mainstream. So now Hasbro is like, we can strike gold. We can hammer down on the monetization. We can digitize and do microtransactions in our apps. And you
1: know, Right.
3: It just sucks to see. Man.
1: So it, it just breaks down to greed, obviously. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. they do have an intellectual property to protect, quote unquote, but yeah. it's not, Yeah. Um, but they're not losing a lot of money on these other people monetizing it. Like it's, it's not no. like they're losing out of millions of dollars. Right. Yeah. And, you
3: could totally see why they're doing it. I think like, yeah. obviously, obviously it's the business move, but
1: right. It's just, it's, it's not. It's. Not, I don't want to use the word. It's not fair. It's just not. It's not what D and is about. It's the whole spirit of the thing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the whole reason D and D exists is you can create your own worlds. You can exist in these areas where you can kind of do your own thing, and your group of friends can you know, create your characters. And it's yeah, it, yeah, and taking and that away,
3: like all these third party things that have made it so big that they are now like buying up, so then they can. You know, benefit off of it but they don't see like oh we can maybe help these third-party creators maybe do some more advertising that way mm-hmm. um no they they just want to completely shut down it all uh, total disney style <laughs> uh no, understand sex sex
1: yeah no it's it's a crappy thing what, what, what are you what are your thoughts christian i mean i know you you're a dnd player also like
2: yeah i i mean i think it's it's it sucks that like feel like they're they're trying to profit off of the people that if it, if it wasn't for all of these like third-party uh companies or like I, I mean now companies that have kind of benefited from using this in the last couple of years i mean it wouldn't be as popular as it was as it is you know what i mean oh, like right and there's always going to be like this core uh like community of people that play D, but for like for this to get to the mainstream if it's because of, you know, the critical roles and all of the different podcasts and stranger things and everything. So I I just feel like it's kind of short-sighted to, it's almost like they're punishing the the people that made it popular, that brought it to the mainstream. And I I don't know, I think it's dumb. And I think like, this is, they've kind of done something that they can't go back on now. Cause like they've already lost the trust, you know, even if they decide Mm -hmm. they're, they're going back on this, what's done is done. You know what I mean? And people okay. are going to remember that this was something that they attempted to do. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, it's it, in all honesty, it's been a while, a little while since I, I've played, um, you know, I, I do, I do love, you know, um, D D like for, for the, because of the community, but I think they just mm-hmm. took a big step uh, to kind of destroy that a little bit, but percent. Oh, Yeah, Greg, what about... I mean, you have a a very specific...
4: Yeah, I thought I'd come at this from a slightly different angle. Please. um, Because I've I've never really played any tabletop games. um, And I'd never heard of this until Christian mentioned it last night. But when I started looking at it this morning, I realized that it's the kind of thing that a lot of the businesses I uh, support and represent come to me with, with Mm -hmm. questions. So I thought, well little bit of legal analysis, with Greg.
1: Yeah, please. <laughs> and, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> like, what
4: what would I say if this was one of my businesses coming to me? So I ended up doing, a, you know, just an hour or so research on it, and I thought I would do a, a, a basics approach to it. And I'm really interested because a couple of the things that Nick and Kevin you've already said really tie into what I I came from. Um, so the, the first thing. I am a lawyer, so a couple of disclaimers uh, are necessary. Um, right. to say online, <laughs> I'm a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer, so this isn't advice or anything like this. Right. <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, second of all, uh, IP is not my specialty. I've done a lot of IP work in the past. It's not my area of expertise, and my area of expertise is specifically in the UK, anyway. So I mm. could be wrong on a lot of things. Um, I've never played any D and D. I'll I'll be missing a lot of the context, the community aspect. Uh this is my my guesswork. Um yeah. and second of all, I was up playing Street Fighter till two in the morning. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: This disclaimer is beautiful, by the way. I'm, I'm loving
4: it. <laughs> think, bizarre. That's exactly the same disclaimer I use in almost all my work emails. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Including right,
0: the, so, I've been up. I, I I stay up till two a.m. playing Street Fighter.
4: Yeah, that's just in my signature. That's just. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, th- the first thing I thought is, I- I've heard a lot of talk about IP rights and, and what IP rights are, and I've already seen some articles getting them a little bit mixed up. And it's always really worth clarifying that because there are there are essentially three main buckets of IP. So, intellectual property is the big broad strokes. Mm -hmm. Um, first one patents which we're not going to need today the idea of a patent is to incentivize invention or innovation so you come up with a new thing either you keep it secret or you can apply for a patent so if you tell us exactly how it works we'll give you 20 years to exploit it make your money but now everyone else can use it so it's a kind of uh, mutual benefit copyrights are kind of the same idea but for creativity so you create something you own the rights to that, you can exploit the rights to that and that encourages people to create artworks, create board games. So that's really where we're focusing on today. The third area is trademarks and that's slightly different because that's about consumer protection um, and and consumer confusion and that's going to come into play here a little bit as well. So the idea that if I'm buying a, a Mars bar at the store, I want to know that it came from the Mars company, and I'm not just buying some other chocolate bar that has Mars. In right, it. right. So th- those will come into it. There are a few other areas: there are database rights and know-how and so on. But let's ignore those for now. So the OGL, uh, which is this license, is mainly about copyright. Um, so creativity, because they they created these rules, these procedures, these routines. Copyright covers it. Copyright doesn't need to be registered, it just exists. You Mm. scribble something in a napkin, copyright exists in that. Um, And they created this license, uh, so Wizards of the Coast created this license in 2000. And the idea behind it was it allows people to use the the, the, the sort of rules, the routines, the processes of the game, the game mechanics, to create their own worlds, their own characters, uh, and so on. So certain character classes, as, as I understand it, that kind of thing. So you can create your own games. It's not about trademark. You're not creating something that is a and d product. You, know, you, you can't pitch it as some official product. It's You've been given access to certain rights that you can then use. And it's a really clever move. It's a really canny move for a couple of reasons. One, it keeps consumers involved between official releases you know it, it it tides them over it keeps people creating new things and second of all it really cements d as, as the standard this is the rule book this is the way tabletop games work because it just becomes de facto this is it and we've seen from things like Star Wars that as soon as you start getting a really engaged uh, consumer sort of creative you know, creating these expanded universes that it really builds affection and, and it really builds loyalty in brand. So I think it's a really good move. It really drives engagement. Um, and they have made several changes to the OGL over the years. 2008, they pulled back some of the rights. Um, didn't go over too great, but, you know, not, much, not as much of an outcry. 2016, they did start introducing some trademark elements to it. So you could actually claim that this was a Magic the Gathering product and various others. But if you did that, you had to hit certain other criteria and then there was a royalty payment. So mm. if we are licensing you this trademark and you're saying it is one of our products, then you've got to pay us. So that's so people have been saying that this is the first royalty uh, edition. It's not the case. There has been some elements of it before. Again, that one got a bit of a mixed reception, but it was less problematic because the payment was for additional rights rather than what already existed. Um, and over the time, a pretty sizable industry was built up about that. Uh, the name that kept coming up was Paizo. I don't know who they are, but but they've been pretty outspoken about it. Um, so I'm guessing they've got something to do with some sort of Nick nodding, so I assume that's right. Um, and that kind of leads us to the, the, the recent leap draft it made changes in three main areas. The first was uh, all about uh, attempting to stop hate speech and discrimination uh, and right. discriminatory text within newly created products. So, i.e., the license does not extend if you're being a shit about it, essentially. Um, and nobody seems to have an issue with that, I'm pleased to say. Uh, the second one was to clarify that really we're only talking about tabletop games you can't go off and make nfts and whatever else we're we're limiting this to to the core product um that uh, nobody seems to have much of a problem it feels like it's more of a trademark issue than a copyright license issue but whatever um the third area is really about saying well who owns the the newly created materials and more importantly this royalties so it says if you're making more than 50 grand a year off of these products you have to report that income to wizards if you're making over 750 grand a year then we get a 25 percent cut of that and 750 grand sounds like a lot but we're talking i'm, I'm guessing having, got, having not gone into the text that we're talking turnover not uh profit or anything right but one particularly successful Kickstarter which raises over 750 grand might have wafer for thin margins, but all of a sudden 75% of that has to go to Wizards. So that's a huge sum of money and really does. Ah, it
3: that's, could- what I, that's the example I kept saying is like the, so much of the third party creators are on my like Kickstarter, that kind of thing. Uh, and it, now it's like a dangerous game of you can't be too successful.
4: <laughs> yeah. And you no. won't be at all. <laughs> right. Exactly, and but to be to be fair to Wizards, they've been really clear about what they're doing here. They haven't said, "Oh, we we make stuff." They have said, "Look, the point of the OGL in our eyes was to allow small creators to have fun with their friends and create, you know, a version of their own." We did not intend to. Uh, provide support or a framework for larger competitors you know we didn 't want people to start building businesses around this, and that 's not what we 're there to support um, now obviously they they have sort of walked that back um, uh, so yeah, I, I guess on the legal side i don 't think there 's anything that stops wizard of the course doing this i right. um, 've seen some arguments particularly from the previous head of wizards who said, no, the language of the OGL said it was a perpetual license. That's wishful thinking. A perpetual license just means it doesn't expire. It doesn't mean it can't be terminated. That would be an irrevocable perpetual license. That is not in the wording. So, you know, maybe there's some arguments around detrimental reliance, i.e. that that license was in place when we started this up, we're allowed to do X, Y, Z for existing works. If I were advising, you know, one of these companies, I'd say, look, you're, you're aiming for a settlement here. You're not going to get a decision in your favor. It's certainly not worth the risk. Right. You, know, you best you can hope for is getting paid off by Wizard. Um, but the, the the other thing I think is more important is the, is the lessons that I would take from this. And the first one would be a lesson to any small business that relies on another business doing the right thing and we've seen this time and time again whether it's app stores or you know apps being sharelocked as they say um just this morning i think we had another example where twitter pulled its third party apis um right. you know if your business is relying on someone else to do the right thing that is a huge risk because you are at their mercy mm-hmm. um, and, you know, you, you have to be prepared for that. And it's nothing new. I've seen the same thing when it comes to, you know, foods and ingredients where suddenly a raw material is not available. You need to be prepared for that. Um, and I think Paizo are now doing the right thing. They're creating their own version of, um, of the license, which they're calling the Open RPG Creative License or ORC which is a much better name for it i have to say <laughs> and they're going to be prioritizing that and that's a much better way there's going to be this open source version of the ogl that will be held by a non-profit and therefore everyone can be confident that it will exist in the future i think that's a great idea um and it's something that other industries can learn from the second lesson i think is one for all of us which is A really horrible lesson that we learn from time to time that these worlds that we invest all of our time and passion and energy in that is a one-way relationship you know Mm. they don't feel the same way about us and that loyalty isn't there so before we go off you know slagging other people in defense of the DC universe or Star Wars (laughs) okay just remember (laughs) you know you're a consumer to them and it is not worth that fight um and it can be quite horrible because particularly for something like this there is that theater of the mind and when it suddenly you know breaks that fourth wall and you're reminded that that you've bought a product it's it it takes it away and I think that's what Nick was saying about kind of the the feel of it the magic of it it kind of ruins it a little bit and it's Mm -hmm. it's tough to learn but I think it's worth worth keeping in mind um and, and that was it
1: Legal analysis with Craig. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love it. Much, oh, that's Nerd awesome.
4: Law
3: podcast, bro. Yeah,
1: wow. no, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Greg. Really appreciate that. Um, so now on to DC news.
3: <laughs>
1: ah, <laughs> I mean, I do, I do. Like, hold what does on, that mean on. going <laughs> forward for like? Because I mean,
2: Critical Role is like they they did that Kickstarter that raised eleven million. You know, um, a few Critical years ago role is
0: like hmm. with D and D now. Yeah, they, and so, i know and i know that they yeah.
2: published like a lot of like matt's uh like stuff which is like I think mm-hmm. really cool but like yeah i don't i don't know it's 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 all i i'm, I'm not i don't know it's all still confusing to me so i'm just yeah. i don't know how all of this stuff is gonna land it
3: sucks. I mean. I, the, uh, greg touched on it too the 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 way that they used it to kind of become like the foundation for all other tabletop RPGs is like the most detrimental part because it is like the monolith. Um, And there's so many others out there now, but it's like getting away from D and D will be a tough migration. And I know people are going to do it going forward because like Hasbro I mean it's it's the end of the old era Hasbro is gonna be Hasbro and they're gonna they're gonna continue going down the big business modules and uh I I know they're pulling it back now but you know Greg said going forward gotta be ready for them to keep doing more and more
0: 100
1: percent yeah definitely so I mean we'll see we'll see where it all lands oh are we gonna say something yeah no okay <laughs> no you can you totally can please please do um
0: because like last week that's why i was like that's why we play monster of the week right dungeons oh. and dragons who there are no wizards on these coasts maybe <laughs> probably that's well. it
1: Thanks, Kev. <laughs> yeah, of course. No problem. Well, we'll see where it all lands. You know, I mean, they're still kind of backtracking a lot of stuff. And right. um, there's a been a lot of confusion as to actually what I mean, obviously we know what they said, um, but there's all this backtracking, and people are saying, No, we didn't mean this, we meant this. it's just it's it's a mess. So um thank you so, great for that. Analysis. Sorry, I'm sorry, because I saw more questions. So, like, does uh-huh.
2: did Netflix pay like wizards or Hasbro to use like Demogorgons and Vecna in Stranger Things, or is that like is that like?
3: I think Netflix definitely mm-hmm. has a partnership with Wizards now because so much of their money right. Hasbro Hasbro produces a lot of the Stranger Things figures and um, they have some D and D Stranger Things books now. Right. So I'm assuming.
0: Oh, and um, they have Stranger Things characters in Magic the gathering. Like they have a Stranger Things deck.
2: Oh, that's cool
0: so like they're hand in hand now
4: yeah and my my understanding is that from a lot of bigger productions they will pay for pretty much any brand that they're referencing or using now i would say that that technically that doesn't have to be the case you know you you should be allowed to have anything that is sort of incidental in the background just because it's you know a brand name in the background doesn't mean that you're using that for the benefit but a lot of the companies will just pay off to avoid the hassle of uh, you know litigation risk down the road um i guess the other thing i should say on that is uh, i i'm only giving you what i think law is not necessarily what my opinion of it is because i think the right very much broken um in, in all areas of ip um right. but I, yeah i, I think it, I, I think it'd be restrictive enough that netflix wouldn't want to carry that without checking it off with wizards
2: because yeah you mentioned earlier that critical role is working like with wizards nowadays and like that like you know they have published like matt's stuff Mm -hmm. but then like when they released the animated series on amazon they changed a lot of character names you know because some of the characters were like fifth edition characters you know what i mean so yeah
0: like even spells were
2: names were changed and stuff
0: Mm -hmm. like yeah it was the same thing with um, the Adventure Zone. Um, Nick and I are avid Adventure Zone fans. I'm wearing an Adventure Zone shirt right now today. I wore out my Adventure Zone fanny pack. I <laughs> um, I love the Adventure Zone. I probably wouldn't be playing Dungeons and Dragons if it was for the. I wouldn't be as passionate for it if I hadn't listened to the Adventure Zone. And they have their they have their podcast. And then they started coming out with the graphic novels for their sh- for, for you know based on the podcast. But then they changed names because um, the the GM of that game was just using like a DD book at first, and then after like a few sessions, it was all homebrew, right. and so That's some true. stuff for um. What was it? So they had to change some of the names from the from the beginning. Like I think they changed one of them to like ganache, like a cake, like the cake or something, mm-hmm. like something something dumb. And they changed all the um, changed all the cities, everything that was from the. Wizards of the Coast content they had changed it from there and then yeah so that's what they did from that's what they did and so I think from then on they've been okay unless they reference someone from those first few episodes of course it would be changed from there but um yeah I was wondering that too about specifically Critical Role I was like what does that mean for all Critical Role and then I found out that they were actually um bought out not bought out but they got like contracted with Wizards of the Coast last year. Which it seems like they did a lot of that last year, right before releasing the OGL.
3: Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they didn't want to uh, pay the fees for the uh, animated show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a huge possibility. All right. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Let's move on to our next topic, which is our conversation about screen size and does it really matter? Um, So... Listen, this is something that's been in the conversation for years now, right? We've all been talking about it. We've all been discussing about it. We've heard the debates. We've heard other people's, you know, conversations and stuff. And I feel like we're at a point, you know, obviously, listen, I understand COVID is not over. Okay. I get it. Like, one I want to throw that out there, right? It's not over, but things are getting a little bit back to normal, right? Um, movie theaters are operating at pretty much full capacity now. People are going out more. Uh, people are starting to live their lives, you know, over the past, you know, six months or so, it's been getting back to normal. Um, recently, uh, filmmakers Alejandro Gonzalez in Inarritu, uh, Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Caron, uh sat down with Deadline and they t- just talked about their whole filmographies and stuff. And the conversation came up with them. They were talking about the idea of cinema screen size and you know does it really matter if the film's going to theaters or if it's streaming right does the quality differ is there any difference really between what's you know either one um i just kind of wanted to get your guys's opinion on this uh greg actually we'll start with you um so you know one of the main things they they talked about in this article was um generally you know how the obviously when something comes to streaming doesn't make it any less quality than in theaters right and you can enjoy a movie just as good at home especially if it's an old movie like you know i'm gonna use the example it's a wonderful life right like i've seen it a hundred times but i've never seen it in theaters but it's still a classic i know beat for beat you know it's a fantastic movie um and there are movies i've just never seen i've never seen et in theaters right i've only seen it on tv but it's still one of the best movies uh, you know in my imagination one of the biggest grandest just just most amazing movies um what are your thoughts on this do you think the quality differs at all between going to see it on the big screen or watching it at home
4: yes um, okay next um <laughs> no. yeah no I'm, i think i think <laughs> it makes a difference it does um but i think it's only one element um so i've seen films uh that have blown my mind and cinemas that i'd seen plenty of times before at home mm-hmm. um doctor strange love comes to mind it's one of my favorite films i've watched it a hundred times and then when i finally saw it in the cinema it, it it just was a whole different level mm-hmm. but it is one element um i've also had a lot of really terrible cinema experiences because people are on their phones or right. chatting away or mm-hmm. my local screen um has been bugging me really recently because one of the edges of the screen has been over tightened and there's a sort of wrinkling on the, the mm-hmm. side of the screen. And it, just, it really bugs me. The first time I saw it was in the Batman. I thought it was a, the lens choice and I thought it was a weird decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's it only when I saw it again that I realised. Uh, whereas at home, it's quiet. I've got a decent sized TV and a good sound system. It's not mm-hmm. the same, but I don't have anyone disturbing me and I can get up and, pause and pay and you know there there are different benefits to both but the last point i was thinking is i've also seen some films which i think are better on a smaller screen um and the one that really comes to mind is blair witch which i didn't think was a particularly good cinema experience but then watching it on a warren vhs in on a small screen in a dorm room was way more terrifying because it felt like you'd, you know, stumbled on some sort of snuff film and it really fit the film. So I don't think it's necessarily bigger is better, but screen size is one element that can improve a, a film experience. I think
1: 100, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Nick, Nick, what are your thoughts on this?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty similar because um, a lot of movies that I love, I never saw in theaters because, you know, they're before my time, et cetera, et cetera. And I love getting the chance to go and then see them when they do these little events at theaters and they reshow, show, you know, whatever movie. I love doing that at any opportunity. Um, but there are definitely movies that work better at home when I'm not around a bunch of weirdos. I agree with the Batman, I actually almost wish I saw it at home, because it was one of my first long movies out of COVID.
0: And Mm -hmm. I remember just sitting
3: in the theater, and I was just fidgeting, fidgeting. (laughs) and I was like, I could really benefit from standing up, you know, just randomly (laughs) right now. But that would not go over in the theater, you know, me just standing like a weirdo. But yeah, uh, one example that comes to mind is I would have loved to see Glass Onion in theaters. I didn't go when I had the opportunity. Right. I really liked Glass Onion, but I can remember seeing Knives Out in theaters and just like, wow, what a, what a great movie. What a great viewing experience. Yeah. Uh, so just,
1: just real quick, this is someone who had both experiences, right? I mean, even with Knives Out, right? I saw it in theaters, watched it at home. It did mm-hmm. feel like a different experience. Glass Onion was the same way but i also feel like that's pretty much the only thing you're missing right is the social element um which i'm not saying mm-hmm. that it's not fun to look at on the big screen but when you're watching it at home it's still the same movie right it's not like it's not like avatar where you're just like trying to get all this you know information in at once you know or even like something like we were we, we went to go watch puss in boots today right like i feel like that movie it's a beautiful movie, and it should be seen on the biggest screen possible, right? The animation is gorgeous, and sometimes you lose some of that at home, you know, depending on your TV setup and stuff. So there's specific movies I feel like you do yeah. need to see in theaters. Some um,
3: movies I feel like you you're at home and you're like, man this this is like a great popcorn movie. I could go and mm-hmm. watch this on the big screen; it would probably look epic and fantastic. And some movies you go to the theater, man, and you're like this one could have been an at-home tbs you know
1: 100 100
3: you know this should not i'm not going to pay for this and i think that's kind of where i'm at where i'm like is it a streaming movie where i can just watch it because there's some movies that i'm just not going to pay for unless it's in my 1099 a month
1: right <laughs> yeah no one I'm, I'm with you on that and we actually had this conversation the other night when when uh you guys were over, and we were talking about. Um, can't remember what movie you said you saw at theaters, but I was talking about. You know, I went to go see Pig by myself when it came out to theaters, right? Um, but I honestly could have waited till it came out to watch it on TV. It was a phenomenal movie, and I loved seeing it. There was only me and like one other person in the theater, so like it was totally chill, totally relaxed. Um, but another reason I like to go is because um, my house gets chaotic a lot. We have kids, we have dogs. So going to the theater cuts out a lot of that noise, right? So I can enjoy a movie like Pig. It's a super quiet movie, super slow burn. So you kind of have to be able to like sit there and watch it, pay attention, all the little noises, everything going on on screen. But sometimes when there's, you know, overarching, you know, it doesn't really interfere with the the plot of the movie as much, but it just the whole experience could get ruined by, you know, hearing your dog barking at something, someone walking across the front, you know, walking across the front of your house. Um, so that's why I like to go see movies at theaters, too. And especially for that, you know, those really big, high, you know, high concept, really cool action, like something like Avengers, right? Avengers Endgame. Like, there's no way I'd want to experience that at home for the first time, right? Or, you know, it's just, you want to see it on the biggest screen possible. And that's when it really works for me. Um, or animation or something like that. Uh, Yam, what are your thoughts? Are you a theater person? Does it really make a difference for you?
0: I am just about the same as Nickish here. Um, but I... I don't know. This is also coming from someone who like used to like watch movies on like their iPod touch, like first thing in the morning <laughs> on Saturdays. I like, cause I I always wake up early and I'm like, I can't go downstairs and watch a movie. Someone's going to wake up, take the TV for me. I'm going to watch it on my iPod. <laughs> right. Like, so I've been watching something got a teeny tiny screen. I, I don't like, and I like, that's so per, generally I'm not really thinking about you know, maybe I should have watched this somewhere else. But (laughs) I was thinking about like something that I'm happy I saw like in theaters. Like I really thought about it in the last um, 10 minutes. Um, Cyrano. Nick and I watched that last year when it came out. Um, I was really excited for it. I actually had no idea what Cyrano was about or anything until I went (laughs) to see it. I love going in blind. And something about seeing it on the screen, like the big screen, because we've seen it here at home as well, and so um like seeing it on the screen first it really felt like because it's a play so it really felt like I was still going to a show I was going to a play See, the that's entire really cool. everybody was like no one's seeing Cyrano unless they already want to go see it type of deal so no one's on their phone no one's right. like bringing someone no one's bringing their kids to Cyrano and so <laughs> it was like really nice just like it was like an experience like a play experience in a way and then we oh, left yeah. I was just like oh my gosh like the movie's so good and then we we watched it at home and it was when i were at home i was like you know i'm really happy i saw this in the theaters because was more of an experience that way
1: 100 no i totally understand yeah. christian
2: i think like that kind of puts it like how you know i think that's my big reason of going to the theater aside from aside from like the screen size uh, is the like social cultural aspect of things that i do and this is coming from somebody who's really petty like if somebody <laughs> kicks my chair at the beginning of the movie i will spend the entire movie like plotting my revenge <laughs> yeah. um i like Absolutely. completely distracted but like there are those like end game you know or like you know uh no way home like those those movies like that where it's just like you see like the the, the hammer to lift up and you goes to cap and it's just like because because that's very different at home you know very like yeah. especially when like the studio knows it's a, a moment and it's like you have you know like Andrew Garfield like Your plus break giving yeah. everybody a minute yeah <laughs> um you know what I mean so like, in the theater, like, that's that's the kind of stuff I do like experiencing. Um, but, you know, the last movie I saw, I had the whole aisle to myself, and that was awesome. Like, um, and I think that's, like, the most ideal. If I can just be in a theater with people that aren't directly around me. Uh, that, I, same. Right. Same. I'll be happy. Like, if I, one day I'll get to that, that point where I can just buy out a whole aisle. And then just have the whole oh, like like oh ropes Ro G is for me' That'd yeah.
1: be cool no absolutely 100 so yeah'm I'm, I'm with you guys I feel like we're all kind of on the same page like it's a cool experience <laughs> um it is worth going now just real quick when a movie's going to streaming as opposed to theaters do you what do you guys think about quality like do you guys ever like initially like you hear a movie's just going direct to streaming direct to Netflix? are you guys concerned with the quality of that movie rather than them giving it a theatrical release? Um, Or are you guys pretty much, you know, a movie's a movie. It's going to be good. I'm going to check it out. It could be good. could be bad. Or are there any preconceived notions about streaming that you guys have um, as opposed to going to theaters? I think Uh, it depends on
2: who's in it. it. And I think times have kind of changed because I think Mm -hmm. if it was like, you know, 2006 and it's like, Oh, it's a Tom Selleck movie. That's straight to dvd <laughs> or or you know if it's a steven seagal movie a- at all. Um, right. you know,
1: <laughs> I mean. um
2: you would think about it but i think now obviously like with netflix and um hbo yeah. like you know like there's really good quality stuff and there's things that are like you know we've talked about this before like why did this not release in theaters i think you know like last onion only having like a week long release in theaters or, or like prey going straight to hulu like You know, there's quite a few of them that are, uh, I I don't know, I I know the companies are trying to build up their streaming services and like, just catches as as many subscribers as they can. But, you know, I I think because of that, we're we're missing out on some theater experiences, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I didn't know that Glass Onion didn't go to theater. Like, I thought it was going to be going to theaters. Mm -hmm. And then I saw it was Netflix, Netflix original. And so when we watched it, I was like, oh, okay it's just on Netflix um it's weird what does get me is if it's released straight to streaming you know or you know limited time in theater than to streaming it definitely leaves less time for people to like see and experience it before um like the memes come out you know so I had already seen like something about um we all seen Glass Onion right yeah uh yes yes
2: Okay. No, no no, Christian you haven't seen it? No. I have no. not seen it yet. I oh, will okay. like this week sorry.
0: Okay okay it's not a spoiler just like just like a certain cost a costuming aspect that's what I'll say right mm-hmm. it's not a spoiler whatsoever and but I was like Ruined oh that would have been maybe a little nicer <laughs> to see because you know like I mentioned just now I like going blind so right. I was like if I had seen that for the first time that maybe would have been just a little extra special um, but no, yeah, if like a lot a lot of the memes will come out literally within a week yeah, of a movie it, coming out. So start. I'm like, okay, yeah. right, thanks guys. <laughs> like there's yeah. no okay, cool. Great. Oh yeah, no, that's what I think about what, in terms of like something coming, you know, straight to streaming.
1: I completely understand. And especially with like something like Glass Onion, right? There was like a huge gap between when it was at theaters to its streaming like premiere. It was like a, a little bit under a month. I think it was like two, three weeks, but it was still enough for word to get out there, for the spoilers to get out there and for the memes and everything to start, right? Because that's what happens right after the movie opening weekend, the memes are started. And if you haven't seen it, you just stay off the internet. But uh, a lot yeah. of times that's hard. Um, what do you guys think, uh, uh Nickish, Greg? You guys
3: um yeah i mean i think for me personally it really depends on who's releasing the movie because mm. i know a, a hulu original movie <laughs> is going to be very different than an hbo which you know, right be like okay an hbo original um probably going to be pretty good netflix hit or miss maybe i'll never hear of this movie maybe it's going to be the best movie ever hulu is like okay, I'm thinking small budget. I'm thinking maybe a smaller premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of like my preconceived notions. It's like, it's really dependent on who is
4: making it. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Greg? Yeah, I think I, I probably have a bit of a bias against them, if I'm being honest. If I didn't know any different and I saw a film and saw that it gone straight to streaming, Without right. any other information, I would assume, okay, it didn't get a cinema release. Um, one of the streaming services picked it up on the cheap uh, just to, to fill out their catalogue. I think that's my default, but mm-hmm. it can be very easily overturned if I have a bit more background knowledge. Like if there is a creator involved who's clearly been thrown a lot of money by Netflix or an Amazon or someone, um, and Rian Johnson would be an obvious example, it, right? yeah. uh, uh, where clearly... He's been snatched up by, uh, uh, by a streaming service. All well, very much overrided, but I think in the absence of anything else, if I just see a movie just going straight to a streaming service, I'm going to assume that it's probably the equivalent of a bargain bin DVD. Right. Yeah,
1: pretty much. And I think that's what a lot of us think. Um, But yeah, uh, let us know what you guys think. Um, You know, send us a message, send us a comment. I'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts are out there about the uh, streaming uh, versus theatrical or does screen size really matter to any of you guys? Um, Please let us know. Um, I know... really doesn't matter to my kids either like my kids don't care right like my son's getting a little better with it but my daughter's like i don't care like my wife she can care less she'll watch it on her i she'll watch it on her iphone or her ipad like whatever it doesn't matter to her um but uh yeah that's why we have a huge tv because i had to buy one and she hates it but anyways <laughs> this is fun for that we love it um anyways uh let's talk about animation guys we, we we talked a little bit about how we went to go watch puss in boots today um uh, the last wish which was a phenomenal movie um the animation was gorgeous and you know animation so as a whole what's that so pretty so pretty, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And I feel like, you know, we owe, oh, you know, there are certain people who are kind of pioneers in the field of animation that that, you know, allowed us, to, you know, allowed studios to create such beautiful, you know, it they you know this, these people. They they started inspiration for a lot of people to become animators, to become artists, things like that. And today, I kind of wanted to talk about Don Bluth. Um, so I'm pretty sure everyone here at least knows a few Don Bluth movies, right? Like we're all pretty familiar with with the man and some of his filmography and and what he's done. And I'm sure some of most of us have our favorites of his. Um, whether or not you grew up in the '80s when he was massive or you know just nostalgia just kind of watching these movies growing up and stuff like that um so you know don bluth he started he started his career in the 1950s with sleeping beauty that was his first entrance into the world of animation he was working as an assistant um he got hired at walt disney studios and he went on to work on you know he was character designer on robin hood um and he started doing all of these films um Fox and the Hound was seemed to kind of be his breaking point. He was working on that film and he kind of there's a lot of creative stuff going on there, especially at Disney at the time, too. There was a lot of which direction did they want to go? Um, you know, some people wanted to go the candy coated, you know, rainbows and unicorn route. You know, other people wanted to go the darker, you know. Uh, you know, kind of like Disney past, right? Like a lot of their films, earlier films, especially were just really dark and and twisted. And you look at things like Pinocchio and even Sleeping Beauty and all these films that were based on fairy tales that were super, super dark. Um, Anyways, he left Fox and the Hound and he started his own production company and he started animating his own films. Um, The very first film he animated um, was... Let me just get it up. Uh, Secret, of, Secret Nim. of Nim. yes. Um, which is probably one of my favorites growing up. Um, how many of you, have you guys seen Secrets of the Secret of Nim? Yes. Yeah. Yam, yeah. have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I, I used to like hold on to that. I don't know why. I used to just like hold on to that DVD. It's like my favorite <laughs> thing I've carried, carried around with me. I oh, haven't watched it yet. And then I when I finally watched it, that was... Um I don't know I don't know, but yeah, I just used to carry the dVD around with me all the time <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's such a it's such a good movie and those are like the kind of memories a lot of us have with these things, right like especially these older cartoons um you know, whether or not you know the plot beat for beat or whatever um you kind of remember them and stuff like that. but anyways, he went on from there to do like just these really, really big I mean he was legitimately a competitor for Disney for a while, right like there was the odds that this guy was especially when he teamed up with Steven Spielberg that this was going to be the next disney like he was going to not take down disney but disney would you know have something to to fight against in their animation crusade um he went he right after that he teamed up with Steven Spielberg and came out with an american tale which just kind of blows my mind that that was his second directorial you know film and he went on to do american tale which is you know, again, it's a super super dark movie, it has a lot of allegories to, you know, the Holocaust and things like that, World War II. Um, it's really dark and it contained the song somewhere out there, which is oh my god. I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's one mm. of the most, you know, beautifully written songs for for an animated film, but also one of the most depressing.
0: Yeah. Every time I
1: think about it, it's just one of the saddest things. Um i've ever yeah it's just it's just crazy uh, so we'll go down this list and then if you you know when you guys you know we'll talk about it afterwards what are some of your guys' favorites and um what do you guys think about all these movies um then he went on to do the land before time uh, land before time which spawned <laughs> like 20 sequels i don't know what sequel they're on they're on some insane amount of sequels um there was a lot of uh I still remember when that movie came out. That's actually one of the first movies I remember seeing in theaters when I was a kid. Um, We went to, uh, right after it, my dad took me. It was me, my dad, me, and my sister. And I was, what, the movie came out in 87? 88, I think. 88, yeah. I was eight years old. My sister was six we went to Macy, we went to the mall right afterwards and Macy's was selling these little foot stuffed animals, like these little foot stuff. He's very specific to that. Um, I still have it. I actually gave it to my, or I let my, I, my nephew had it for a while and then my kids were born and you know, my nephew grew out of it. So he gave it to my kids. So it's back in our, uh, Hemisphere, which is pretty cool. I love that thing. It's like one of my pride and joys. Like it's like it's so cool. It's one of the only things I have since from when I was a kid. So it's fantastic. Um, after this, he kind of went on his own again. He, you know, I don't want to say ditched Spielberg because no one really ditched Spielberg, but um, he kind of went off on his own and started doing his own thing a little bit more. Uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven was his first one by himself again. Um, of course, this movie. I don't think I really, uh, really kind of understood what was happening till I got a little older. Uh, I knew the plot of the movie, um, but it's one of those movies that um, I remember you just don't show to super super young kids because it's there's a lot of explaining to do. Um, but it was it was it was fantastic, great movie. Um, and then comes one of my personal favorites. People Laugh at this, but I think Rock a Doodle is a classic okay and i will not hear otherwise i think it's great Mm -hmm. um i found it on an old vhs tapes um my i think uh greg you're on this episode when i was talking about my my grandpa recording movies on vhs he had this recorded somehow and i watched it and i was obsessed with it and i love the music love the animation and uh, throughout all of these like the animation was just you know, it was like it was like what Disney used to do, right? It felt like, you know, Disney was in this new phase. They were in the transition phase between that and the uh, waking, sleeping beauty phase that they're, you know, were going to go on in the 90s and such like that. Um, so they were in this weird space of animation. This seemed to carry on the tradition that they had before, like before the 80s and such. Um, and then pretty much there's, he has next three of them are pretty you know unfortunately they all pretty much bombed at the box office you know things started to look super dire so we had uh thumbelina a troll in central park and the pebble and the penguin um the pebble and the penguin is an interesting one because he made it he directed it but he had his name wiped from the credits as soon as it was released because uh the studio took control i think it was mgm they took control of it they want to do their own thing and so him he basically said no like you guys you guys can't do this uh I, I don't i don't want my name on it so he took his name off of it um so he is not credited on directing that film but he did direct it um anastasia comes out and anastasia puts him back on the map uh this was Again, a lot of people, even before the 20th century Fox purchase, like people would always say this was a Disney movie, right? Like they're like, who's your favorite Disney princess? Anastasia. She's not a Disney princess, but yeah. you know, now she is. She though. was in
0: my heart. <laughs>
1: it, it, she was exactly. She was in your heart. She was in a lot of people's hearts. Um, and a lot of people love that movie. I like that movie. I thought it was really, really well done. I thought it was beautifully animated and I thought it was really great. Um, and then his... Uh, Street kind of ends he kind of just stops directing at all after uh, Titan AE which was I remember this movie coming out it was a, a mixture of, of animation and CG animation so it uh, had Matt Damon and Drew Barrymore as the lead characters uh, I remember the look up the soundtrack it's wild it's like everything from the late 90s early 2000s it's got like Power Man 5000 (laughs) like all of these bands like Jamiroquai it's it's insane it's a it's an insane soundtrack I remember that the most because I when I, I was working at the theater at the time and we'd get like promotional kits and they had like 10 copies of the soundtrack and I was like all right cool I'll check it out and um yeah it was you know it was interesting it is what it is um now between that time i kind of want to talk about some of his video game work obviously like he did some really really cool video games especially in the early 80s specifically with dragon's lair um yes. which is a super uh, me and nick were having a conversation about this movie the other day about this game um that game is just it's insane it's totally random completely just like timing is everything and you push left right forward or whatever and if you don't hit the right button at the right time you will explode <laughs> like or whatever it is yeah, like. what's that?
3: So freaking frustrating dude I've tried to play it at a arcade 2084 every time I've gone and it is like the most quarters beautiful like that. yeah the most beautiful game that I'll never be able to play because I can't freaking figure it out for my life
1: yeah <laughs> It's insane. Um, and then after that I came out with uh, Space Ace, which is kind of in the same vein, except there's a little bit more options as far as character choice and stuff like that, which directions you go, things like that. I, I actually really love space space ace. I played it on PC. Um, but yeah, the Dragon's Lair games, uh, they all have that staple animation that he's known for. It looks gorgeous. Like you said, it's the most gorgeous game you'll never be able to beat. You'll never be able to play because it's it's just super frustrating. Um, do you guys have any Space Ace experience? Are you guys Space Ace pros? No. Okay. No. It's it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I played at the arcade. It came out with a. There was a laser disc version that came out back when laser discs were a thing. Um, and now it's out like you could get it for like the Switch and stuff. It's super cheap. You get the all three: Dragon's Lair, Dragon's Lair Two, and Space Ace for like ten bucks. So. Of course, I got it and I got frustrated with my switch and I'll never play it again. Um, But yeah, I mean, this guy, he was a a huge name in animation for a long time. Um, Last we checked, actually, um, as of 2020, it was announced. And more recently, Ryan Reynolds actually reiterated it on a recent interview. Dragon's Lair is becoming a live action film uh, for Netflix with Don Bluth directing. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, which should be interesting. Okay. yeah it's coming to netflix uh recently there was an interview in collider i think it was with ryan reynolds and he was asked about it and he said it's actually going to be one of the more he said netflix has taken a huge risk on it they are putting interactive elements or they it's going to be more of an experience than a movie so i don't know what that means like no one knows are they gonna because you know netflix has been experimenting a lot with that kind of choose your own adventure thing you know they did with the black mirror um was it black mirror that they did that with the movie yeah. right the, uh, yeah and they did it with some i can't remember there was a tv show like a DreamWorks show or something where you could choose your own adventure basically um i think it was something like was it puss in boots it might have been actually like a puss in boots thing they did on there, where you like choose your own adventure or whatnot but anyways um that's kind of a basic rundown on his filmography um so i'm curious what are some of your guys's favorites in there did you guys you know or did you guys grow up on don bluth did you know a lot of his stuff were you guys uh fans of his anybody
2: i think um I, the stuff that really sticks out to me is the stuff in the 80s but i think like i think there's like a real logical reason for why some of these movies are far more memorable than the others because like i think also if you kind of look at the the schedule or, like, the release dates of the Bluth movies and then compare them to the release dates of the Disney movies. It's all, like, you know, what were, just off the top of your head, like, if anybody can think of, like, Disney movies that released in the 80s, right, Disney animated movies that, aside from, like, I know Little Mermaid, Black and Cauldron, Black Cauldron, <laughs> right, and yeah. and that almost put them out of business. You know what I mean? Like oh,
1: just real quick, just real quick, since you brought that up, uh, Disney, nineteen eighty four, Bluth was actually planning a version of the Beauty and the Beast that he was going to direct, um, but the studio, <laughs> oh. I think it was Columbia, they saw that Disney was doing work, going to be working on their own version, so they pulled the plug on that. Um, which I thought was pretty interesting to see. Yeah,
2: I mean, I would I would consider the Little Mermaid the beginning of like the the Disney Renaissance it was. of the 90s. Yeah, the Disney Renaissance
1: for sure. Uh, and that
2: was like 89. But like you know, leading up to that, you know, I dude, that songs from it just immediately takes me back to my childhood. The somewhere out there, you mm-hmm. know, the um Land Before Time. My God, like. I, I like I was maybe five or six when that came out, but like that was way too. Young. Maybe the Same. first movie that made me cry like a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I probably it was probably other something dumb like Punky Brewster. I was an emotional kid. <laughs> um, but as soon as that Renaissance that Disney started, you know, like Rock a Doodle, you know what I mean. And then there was just a bunch of them that like we don't that it overlaps like with like Aladdin and Lion King, mm-hmm. and like of course it's going to get completely overshadowed. Uh, by those like huge Disney classics, so um, I, it's it's a shame because I, I appreciate what what Bluth was trying to do with everything, and like, and I think Disney figured it out, and like they're like you know we'll like, we'll take a risk, and they did like the Black Cauldron, and it's just funny how that became like even to this day, like they bury it, like they don't even like
1: yeah, you don't never
2: see like Black Cauldron merch anywhere, you know what I mean, or anything like that. So, uh, but. I think it's just the time that they, they want to forget about. So, like, let's just focus on happier times, I <laughs> guess. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty crazy.
4: Yeah.
1: What do you guys think, uh, Greg?
4: Um, I'm still stuck in this da- Dragon Lair interactive T V series. <laughs> I hope it's <this> an <laughs> authentic experience and I never get past the first ten minutes of it. <laughs> <Right. laughs> really in in the spirit of the game. Um, yeah, all dogs go to heaven and land before time. Uh those were two VHSs that I absolutely mm. wore as a kid. And I think it's probably something that's that's missing a little bit in in kids' animation is that sort of nightmare inducing yes. Um, films that are just slightly across the line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the depiction of hell in all dogs go to heaven is, is still traumatizing. I think, <laughs> I yeah. think there's a place for that. You know, you need, you need a, a few sort of scarred kids who watch those films to, <laughs> you know, to grow up, to be people like us. I think yeah,
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> do, but they also, you know, make them more memorable, right? Like they stick in your exactly. imagination longer. 100%. Um. Yeah. Uh, what about them. you? What's that?
4: I loved them. I loved those scenes as well. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, so memorable.
1: Absolutely. Um, uh, Nicky Shiam, what are you guys' thoughts? Are you guys, um, fans at all?
4: Uh, yeah.
3: I mean, growing up, also had the VHSs for most of these on the list. Uh, rewatching constantly, and Land Before Time, I think, is like every child's favorite thing just because mm-hmm. dinosaurs but more importantly it's kid dinosaurs and that's right. like the best concept that like even now like my little brother watched land before time and he loves it just as much um for me though uh the anastasia spin-off Talk magnificent
1: <laughs> which was also directed <laughs> by Don which Grew. was also done right. by-
4: yes
3: uh was my absolute favorite i would play on repeat i freaking i love that little dude i love that little bat and all the wacky adventures um i feel like don bluth really because when i think of like disney it's like disney Mm -hmm. but like all other animation from like the 80s 90s and early 1000s um they all feel like they could have all been made by Don Bluth.
1: Yeah, because yeah. oh, I, yeah.
2: I don't know why I put Ferngully in that list, but I know that wasn't Bluth.
3: Yeah, yeah, like Ferngully. Uh, I was like, is Ferngully in here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, a lot but of the yeah, shows, even like Disney Channel shows that were based on their movies, I feel like felt more like a Don Bluth creation.
1: Right. Than even their
3: movie did. I don't know. Maybe he inspired just everybody to like... Mm what's the not disney style you know well i think
1: he because you know he he was raised in the school of disney right so Mm -hmm. like his his whole thing was 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 basically you know i I don't mean this at all in a bad way like he was mimicking what disney was doing but doing it his own way right so and i think a lot of people they they took that from him also and from disney without you know really knowing that it was both of their kind of you know sensibilities and their styles combine to create this this other thing um so yeah i I know what you're saying though like he did inspire a lot of people um and i think again i i do i do know that he's a big name in animation and people know who he is but i i still feel like he's a tad underrated for what he contributed to us and stuff like that people know his movies people know his stuff and people know the name somewhat but um, I just think he was a major talent that that kind of you know got got left behind a little bit. Um, I think
2: it's like movie nerds and like animation nerds. Like I did have you know I, I I was an animation student myself. I teach for a lot of animation students and like the nerds are like you know Secret of Nim is the greatest animated film of all time. Like,
1: it's fantastic. Like yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And what about you? Um, are you a Don Bluth fan? Were you obviously you had the pe- you know the um, Secret of Nim. You know attached to you but what else do you got
0: oh yeah uh Anastasia has forever been one of my favorite movies um it's a that's, great that's movie just, it's a great movie yeah. like my mom used to use like some of the songs and like she'd make like little little um video not video diaries just not well, video di- she would just make videos and she would put like the um some of the songs to the back of them because <laughs> it's cool. like it was something that me and my sister would would watch over and over and over again and then That's Land awesome. Before Time, I didn't, I didn't like that movie because it made me really sad as a kid. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so I was just like, I'm not gonna watch this anymore. It makes me sad. Same thing with like Thumbelina. I love mm-hmm. Thumbelina. I watched it more, and I thought maybe if I watched it again, I won't get scared.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But every time I did. <laughs> but Land Before Time, I I want to say I didn't I didn't watch it that much as a kid. As much as I watched it. As an adult, with my little brother who right. has an obsession for dinosaurs, and so he would just always want to put it on. He would ask to watch Littlefoot, and so we'd put on Land Before Time for him. And but still, then I'm just like, I'm so sad now. <laughs> it's
1: it's depressing, and it's, it's all, a hard watch. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, so
0: hard every time.
1: Yeah, they're they're not easy watches. Specifically, Land Before Time. Yeah. That is one movie that will always. It, it i'm not even gonna lie. It, it'll make me cry every time yeah um it's just just the it's it's just 100 percent, just just tear inducing and that and land before or um american tale american tale yeah. there's yeah. like we touched on it earlier but the somewhere out there scene is yeah just, just, just when i was a kid one of my biggest fears ever was getting lost like being oh, lost, same. Up, lost same. somewhere, and not being able to find my family. Um, and I think a lot of that stemmed from that movie. <laughs> I think it was just the idea of separation. And like, and I know it sounds insane and crazy, but like just thinking like you're so far separated, but you're all, you know, you're looking at the same sky, right? Like you're like, I know it sounds corny as heck, but it's like that idea just like kills me like i can't even think of it now right like getting lost now like my kids are at home and i'm somewhere else like it's right it's super super depressing um and of course the land before time has uh, a lot of baggage because you know there's also the uh you know unfortunate circumstances behind the scenes of that movie which we won't get into oh my god yeah um you know that was uh tragic and uh you know i just um yeah, so there's all this baggage attached to to that movie, you know. Um all this really really sad stuff, but uh anyways, yeah, I mean I think I think they're all I think they all have their merits. Some are better than others, but for the most part they're all pretty solid movies and I'd love to see him get back into it again. Uh he's going to be like I said directing live action soon, so we'll see how he does there. Um and uh yeah, he also did some animation for Xanadu, which I was not completely aware of, or I, I think I knew it at one point, but I read about it. There's an animated sequence in there that he uh, wrote and directed, and he also did some music video work for the Scissor Sisters. Yeah, so
0: that,
1: that's pretty cool. They were inspired by that scene in Xanadu to for this <laughs> music video, so they hired him to do all the animation and Amazing. stuff. So, um, yeah, but he's still, you know, he's still kind of doing his thing. He's teaching, he's going around to, you know, he's doing, you know, the con circuits and stuff like that. Uh, he also has a book out. Um, uh, I don't know if anyone will be interested in this, but it's about his life, just kind of being an animator and his, um, you know, just his, it's called, uh, somewhere out there, my animated life, it was actually just released on July 19th, 2022. Uh, so if y'all want to learn about more about him and um, his just his career and his life in animation, go check out that book. I've heard really, really great things. It's got great reviews. Uh, I'm definitely going to be picking it up. Uh, so yeah, uh, can't wait to check that out. Let us know what your guys' favorites are out there. Let us know what movies you guys grew up with. Let us know, you know, nostalgic. You know, let us know what you guys, um, what you guys think. What's your favorite Don Bluth movie? And yeah. So anyways, so I think that's our show today. Thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, It was fantastic. I love having you guys on. You guys are always obviously welcome to come on anytime. Um, So before we wrap up completely, uh, let's talk about some weekly recommends. What are you guys watching? What are you guys reading? What are you guys playing? What are you guys doing? Well, What do you guys recommend people check out? Um, Nick, you have any anything you want to recommend or talk about right now?
3: um let's see what am i doing right now i am watching the midnight club on netflix that's uh cool mike Flanagan's show from last year he puts out a series every year on netflix and it's oh, killing it anymore. so far it's uh well yeah next year will be uh or
0: well, this year was we'll on
3: prime, right uh yeah or next year next year will be prime. yeah dark tower series but Midnight Club, very, very good so far. It's very um creepy, but it's also very campy if you're into campy horror. It leans into a lot of that. So highly
0: recommend.
1: Awesome. Christian.
2: Uh three things. Uh one, I I, I thought you just posted about it too. Uh the menu. Totally awesome. Oh, dude. Um I've wow. I've been wanting to watch it. I finally got around to watching it. Go like yeah, we talk about going into movies yes. blind. This is a 100%. fantastic movie. To go in knowing nothing. Um
0: ironically, this is the movie I need to know about before watching. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the type of movie where I have to know. I get I get ooh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean,
2: if just if uh, maybe the trailer should be enough for you. Absolutely. Um, yeah,
1: I think the trailer would be good um, enough to gauge your so that's my interest. one. Um,
2: two, I just uh finished watching the first episode of The Last of Us. Um one of my favorite stories in video games. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with this. Um, it's one of those things that you go in a little too attached. So like, I, I'm trying not to be super judgmental about how they do things, but Neil Druckmann is part of a big part of like the production. So I'm, I'm excited. And then three, uh, we just finished the first season of white Lotus. Um, oh, cool. Woo. Oh, man. That's what I've heard. I, <laughs> I, what I've heard. Knew, I also knew nothing going into that. I'm so glad I did um jennifer coolidge man just like man i i love her already but oh She's I, I can't She's wait great. so um yeah those are my three cool yeah oh you know i don't think
1: i have
0: anything <laughs> no it's
1: okay it's totally cool <laughs> yeah. you know, no worries no problem, <laughs> For the first no problem. Time. if you, if you, you know think what? of something
0: i'm playing cozy grove that's what i'm playing oh I'm on cool Switch. it's a nice little cozy game you yes. you, you, you you know <laughs> You just run around as a little camper and you're you're helping ghost bears with their problems. I love it. Almost done with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I've helped out so many ghost bears so far. <laughs> it's kind of sad that it's almost over, but it's, it's a nice little game that I play every single day. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's cool. That's perfect. Uh, Greg, what about you? Um following on
4: from our uh, discussion about screen size uh, and viewing experiences um I've been spending a lot of time on my exercise bike recently and watching films on a phone in front of me. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Um, Nothing wrong with towards sort of 80s horror movies and rewatching a lot of things like Prince of Darkness, uh, Child's Play, um and recently Rawhead Rex um which was uh, quite an experience. But I've also been catching up on a, a couple of films I've missed. Banshees of Inishirin, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I got to see um, that. I love his films. I really um, I really do that. And in Bruges, just superb. So, um, and Men, the Alex Garland one, which oh,
2: uh,
0: I, I really enjoyed. That,
4: yeah. And bizarrely, I think, makes a fantastic uh, dual feature with uh, Rawhead Rex, as it will kind of have this... <laughs> sort of catholic syncretism aspect and, and repression going along with that so yeah i really enjoyed both of those
1: cool awesome and um you know i'm seconding um uh, christian's the menu i thought the menu was fantastic um completely kind of blew me away anya taylor joy is just incredible nicholas holt is incredible and ralph finds like he's great too and it's uh it's just a fantastic movie um i really enjoyed it if you like just twisted um comedic horror super super dark comedy but yeah um it's it's super funny and and like i said i I wrote a short review it's it's equal parts uh, you know horrifying and hilarious it's got that it balances that line perfectly and i thought it was fantastic um and also you know we were just talking about earlier puss in boots the last wish do not sleep on it please like i know a lot of people are like oh we don't need this movie but we absolutely do need this movie um it's beautiful it's definitely worth checking out and i uh, you know don't sleep on it please like it's 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 just beautiful antonio banderas still is him and salma hayek together no matter what they do is just like magic. Like they, th- those two can, you know, they could just stand there and just stare at each other for an hour. And I'm like, what's going to happen next? Like, I need to know what's going on. <laughs> um, I will watch them forever. I think they're, they're amazing. And while you're at it, go check out Desperado, you know, why not totally different movies, but Hey, you know got both of them and it's fantastic too so um but yeah uh, puss in boots uh, the last wish which is in theaters i believe it's you can rent it at home and purchase it on demand and the menu is streaming on hbo max um i'm not sure if it's on hulu it might be on hulu i'm not 100% sure on that but we watched it on hbo max so um so yeah let us know what you guys are watching what you guys are doing what you guys are uh reading video games, whatever. Um, and that's our show for today. Um, thank you guys for joining us. And again, please don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, sharing an episode is just, just helps us out so much. So more ears we can get in front of the more uh, content we could bring you guys. So uh, Greg, thank you so much again, man. We really, really appreciate it. It's, it's nice having you on at a, at a normal time. Like you said, um, you know, you're in the States right now, but we'll definitely do it again. Um, thank you for coming. Uh, Nickish, Yam as usual. Thank you guys. It's always fantastic. It's always fun. And Christian, of course, you know, thank you so much. <laughs> and you guys are all amazing. And, uh, yeah. Um, also just real quick, make sure to tune into pastrami nation, check out their podcast every Tuesday night, uh, where we host, you know, a regular pastrami nation podcast this week. Um, We'll be, you know, every other week is a Lego podcast. And then every other week is a, we talk about pop culture stuff, just like, just like this show, except it's a live stream and it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to go. So thank you guys so much. Have a good day. Take care of yourselves and each other. And as always, stay nerdy.